You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. On today's episode, I have an interview, one that I did live on my YouTube channel just a couple of months ago. I did this interview with Caitlin V. She is a sex and relationship expert. We have known each other for many years, which you're going to hear here soon. And I thought it was a really great episode, a really great live that we did together. She gave some really good information. And we talk all about the world of kink and what does kink mean or to be kinky? How does that all relate to sex and, and how do you have the kind of sex that you want? A really fun conversation. And I thought, you know, I got to get this to my guys, my guys over at the How to Talk to Girls podcast. So I extracted the audio, slapped it together with this, and you're going to hear a really fun episode. So for today, I just want to hop right into it. No long intros. Here's my fun conversation with Caitlin. Enjoy. We are live. What's going on, everybody? Trip Kramer here from tripadvice.com. Next to me, well, hopefully you know her. You should know her. Kaylin <laughs> V. She is the woman. She is the go-to person on everything sex advice, sex related. She's got half a million subscribers now on YouTube. And let's let's bump that up to uh, 500,000 and 501,000 after today because you should be subscribing to her because she has such good information. So for the guys out there who want to learn how to be the best lover in every aspect, Kaylin V is the person to go to. I've known her for how many years now? Seven years. Seven years. Wow. Yeah, since 2015. That's wild. Yeah, that's crazy. I would not have made it this far on YouTube without you. So thank you, Trevor. Oh, well, listen, you wouldn't be at where you're at if you weren't an amazing coach. And I mean that. And you guys should take that seriously because how often do I have someone live with me on YouTube? Pretty much never. I've only done it maybe like a handful of times. And now today. So everyone, welcome Caitlin. Say hello to her. If you don't know her, you're about to learn all about her and her amazing information. So why don't you just introduce yourself in a sense of like how you got started and how you know what you know and yeah, how you got into this. What's the story? I'm Caitlin V, sex and relationship coach, host of Good Sex on Discovery Plus. And I started in this field as a sexual health educator and researcher. So I worked for many, many years as a professional scientist. I have a master's degree and I was all the way working on my doctorate and I was teaching sex ed at night to like non-monogamous folks, homeless youth, LGBTQIA people. I was like, you know, everybody's sex ed teacher since I was like 16 years old, you know, my friends that had to take a pregnancy test or like, or like icy hot on their balls and like had to, had to call somebody and, and say, you know, what the heck do I do? Guilty. That was me. Did, so did then, did then. You tried to, yeah. I, I, you can only imagine what I tried to put on my um, lady Brits. Don't recommend anything. Can't tried it all. Don't recommend anything. So I was always like a really curious kid and like sex was a passion of mine. Even when I was like 13, 14, 15, like I'd never had sex, but I just knew that this is what I was going to do for a living. Put sexology as my major when I got Facebook back when you had to get like a .edu address to have Facebook. So anyways, this is like my calling started doing it when I was really young, thought I was going to do the science route, thought science ended up empirical science ended up being way too dry really dry energy for me. And, uh, and so I left empirical science and I started my coaching career. And not long after I launched my coaching business, I met Trip through friends at a live event in Chicago and we hit it off. And obviously we have such complimentary interests and, and shout, we out sort Jason. Of, we, shout out Jason Silver. But, you know, I think you and I represent sort of like the front and the back of the hand, because if it's not for like uh, uh, relationships and dating, there's no sex and, and intimacy, right? So you and I do really complimentary things and we've just had a really great time collaborating ever since. And yes. And, and now I have, as you mentioned, a large YouTube following and a TV show. And yes, um, she's a TV star beyond the YouTube guys. She's everywhere. Ding, ding. You'll love if you if you if you like what I have to say, and if you like Trip's channel, you will love the show Good Sex on Discovery Plus. It is intimate and explicit, and you get to watch my clients actually have sex, and then I coach them on it. It is cool. Yeah, guys, check it out. Discovery Plus, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And 
I was just looking at this today. Our video from six years ago, how to make a girl squirt in under three minutes is clocked in at 12 million views. Oh, I haven't checked it recently. 12 mil. That was before you had a YouTube channel. That's why I started my YouTube channel. Was from that video. Yeah. Cause it went so well. And I was like, eh, okay, maybe I have some other things I want to talk about. Yeah. Well, that's great. Know. I still don't have a video that has 12 million views though. That is still takes the cake. I'm a little sad because there is one that it beat out that one. I always thought that was going to be the number one. It's you. Well, congratulations. It's called where to touch a girl before you kiss her. Oh, that is a good topic. I had no idea. I knew that the one that we did together was going to blow up, but I yeah, squirting is like number one favorite subject of the internet. Yeah. My own video on squirting has since been translated on into Spanish and has its own YouTube channel in Espanol. That's amazing. Elsewhere. If you know this, we, It's true. There's no translation. It's elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You gotta watch the translation too. It's so good. The woman that plays my voice is so enthusiastic. She's like, Elsquirt. Elsquirt. Elsquirt though. I also have a a Spanish speaking channel. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm working working with the same guys that you are. Nice. Yeah. They came to me and they're like, oh, we're working with Caitlin. And I'm like, oh, well then yeah, let's do this. So if any of you are Spanish. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over some cool stuff right now. And then we're going to answer questions. Uh, you know, I really would like to keep the questions a little bit more related to sex, sex advice, anything in the bedroom, uh, because we have Caitlin here. And I do a lot of lives where I can answer other questions, dating stuff. But we now have a great guest who can talk to us about a very specific topic. So let's try to keep questions to that and load them up. But Caitlin, let's talk about, about how to be able to, to have the most fun in the bedroom you can with a woman. I know that there are, do you have a lot of guys who come to you who say that like, they're really kinky, they want kinky sex, they want all that stuff, but like, they're not able to get it. Is that like a big request? I don't know that everyone uses the word kinky, but it comes out through my discovery process with them. Right. So look, can I just, just start by defining kinky? And we'll just yeah, move from absolutely. there. Absolutely. All of it. Yes. So uh, I come from the school of the erotic blueprints. All you got to know about how we define kinky inside of the erotic blueprint universe is that it's anything that's taboo. And so anything that's taboo to you, anything that you're like not supposed to yeah. do or not supposed to enjoy is kinky. And it falls under two major categories, which Sounds is psychological. Kind of when it's like defined like that, right? Anything that's yeah. Taboo. Well, I mean, that's, and kink is sort of like where the most shame gets kicked up for people too, right? Cause it's like, Oh, I'm not supposed to be into it. I'm not supposed to be into that thing, but I am into it. I get off on it. Like there's something wrong. Right. But it doesn't have to be that way. And that's actually a huge opportunity to heal like from that alone. But it falls under two major categories, psychological and physical. So sometimes when you hear the word kinky, you might think physical, which is like whips or cuffs or restraints or bondage or ropes, but psychological kink, like role-playing, like being called daddy and little girl, that's a version of role-play that's very common. You know, fantasies about having sex or, or uh, relationships with people that you're like, you know, quote unquote, not supposed to like teachers or service providers, the, like the cabana boy or the maid or whatever, right? Like all of these are kinky nuns. also because again, they're taboo. Nuns. Yeah. Good one. Being into like cake eating or farting or whatever, right? Like these are, these are kinks because they're taboo. But say you grew up in a really religious household or uh, in a really conservative household, then like doggy style might be taboo. Anal might be like the most taboo thing that you want to try. It's relative. Anal may not be taboo to me because I've been a sex coach for like almost 20 years in some capacity. I've been an educator. Um, So those things may be really taboo. Maybe they were taboo for me 20 years ago, but they're not taboo for me anymore today. So it's very, very relative. And so a lot of guys do come to me and say, Hey, there's like sexy stuff that I want to try. I see it. I've seen it in porn. Uh, I think it would be really fun. I think it would like be a great way for me to please my partner. I think she'd enjoy it too, but there's all this stuff around it. Um, maybe shame, other barriers yeah. that are preventing, you know, and often it's, it's like, it's preventing him from even bringing it up. It's not even like the partner or the girlfriend has said, no, it's like, he can't even bring himself to mention it to her. And then, of course, there are those guys who are like, actually, I do have a pretty specific thing that I'm interested in. Maybe it's like a fetish. Maybe it's something I just want to experiment with. I did say it to my partner. She's not into it. And now I feel stuck. Like, I can't actually get what I want. 
Oof. You think, is that the biggest pain point you think guys have mm. with, around this topic? Yeah, between being clear with themselves and working through their own feelings, like their own shame so that they can say it. And then for guys that are maybe in longer term relationships, the desire to spice things up, but then feeling like they can't because their partner isn't into it. Right. Oh, what do you do if you get to that point where you're already kind of far into the relationship and all of a sudden you want to explore some of those things and that person's like, I'm not interested. I don't want to do mm. those things. It's so right. difficult. Do you give advice you know? on that at all? Yeah, I think so. each relationship is a little bit unique. And I think that's going to be one of the themes of our conversation today because we're talking about, you know, say these words, we're talking about communication. And so each communication between two people is going to be subtle and, and nuanced, but we're going to, I'm going to do my best to give you all kinds of tools to use to apply to your unique situation. Yeah. So I follow the law of like every lover, uh, this comes from Dan Savage, should try to be GGG. And anyone here on live with us ever heard of GGG? It means good giving in game, good in bed, attempt to be good in bed, giving, you know, not just on one way street, but you're also giving and then game, which is game to try new things. And if you find yourself in a partnership, especially a monogamous partnership with someone who's not being GGG, I think that there are instances in which going outside of the relationship, hopefully you can do that consensually, right? And kinky is one of those Kink is an area where people do frequently go outside of their relationship, but with consent. So I know plenty of people who are like, they discover at one point in life that they really want to be submissive or they really want to be dominant. And their partner's like, I don't want to play that game with you. Well, there are clubs and groups all over the world of people who want to play in this kinky space. It's not necessarily always about sex. In fact, a lot of kink, especially in those environments, doesn't include genitals or penetration at all. But if you find out that you have like a fantasy for, you know, having your face stepped on by, you know, women wearing boots and like, you are not going to die happy unless you get boots because you lick boots and your partner's like, you're not licking my boots. Like, you know, what other options do you have? You go find someone who wants to get their boots licked. Very few people I think would consider that cheating. And I don't mind if I, if my partner was really, I'm not into having my boots licked. I have tried it. It's not my thing. Wait, literal boots. Yeah. Like not your feet. Yeah, yeah. Pretty common up. in like kink clubs and environments. To There's uh, stomping fetishes. People like to be stepped on. People like to have like shoes and boots, especially on their face or to lick and, and have boots and uh, like dirty shoes in their mouth. I was a public health person, as I mentioned before. And so I find it very difficult to get into that because I'm just like, oh my God, you know, I know way too much about communicable diseases to like really relax and find pleasure in that. But I certainly don't mind if my, you know, if someone, if, I, if my partner was like, Caitlin, I need that to, for my satisfaction. I cannot be happy on planet earth unless I lick boots. I'd be like, that does not really feel like cheating to me. Go ahead and get, you know, go ahead and lick boots and then use mouthwash. Cause I, again, the viruses thing, but there's, there's a that, lot of opportunity for you. Yeah. That there are people. So anyways, the long and short of it is that I think, you know, I would never recommend to anyone that you cheat, step out of your relationship, act out of integrity. You have agreements in your partnership, right? But one of the agreements that you have when you sign up for sexual monogamy is to have sex with each other, right? And far too many people, I've, I've been in a sexless relationship where there's this expectation that we're supposed to be having sex together. And that could be any kind of sex. It doesn't have to necessarily be kinky, but you know, a lot of guys come to me and they're like, I'm dissatisfied, but I'm, I signed up and she's not playing game. You know, she's, she's not, she's not upholding her end of the deal. In which case, you know, I'm always looking first at the relationship that they're in to see like what's missing, right. That she doesn't want to give back to you. And then there are instances where it's like, okay, in order to get that need satisfied, like you have to be exploring outside of the relationship. And, and again, that's where the case by case basis comes in. So there's factors that are unique to each relationship. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Got it. So we defined what kinky means and what that's all about. So yes, taboo, taboo is the, do you think that's like the more correct word more? I think that anonymous. So I think taboo is, is anything that, you know, it has this connotation of not supposed to. So I'll use this. I say, I use the term kinky very liberally in my life. So, you know, I have a friend that's trying to sneak into the VIP section 
at a concert. I'm like, oh, that's that's kinky. You're kinky, right? Because there's a little part of you that's like, what if we get in trouble? Like, what if we get kicked out? Yeah, you know, what if I get yelled at? What if I get punished? Yeah. Taboo, right? You're not supposed to get, you're not supposed to sneak into the VIP section since so taboo. Yeah. Um, or, you know, people who, oh, let me think of another good example. Like, I really am into food play recently. If anyone here is subscribed to my channel or you're in any of my communities or my membership, you know that like food play is like my thing for the last several months. Um, playing with your food in a sexual way is super taboo. So I like to like put berries in my mouth and then like swap them making out with somebody or like cover them in, uh, in like, um, chocolate sauce and berries and whipped cream and like eat it off of a lover. Like that's taboo to me because I grew up in a household where we weren't allowed to play with our food. But if you grew up in a household where like you could play with food, it wasn't that big of a deal that probably won't qualify as like taboo for you. Right. All relative. Also relative, but yes. And and to go back to your original question, like all the time guys come to me and are like, I want to try something new. I want to, I want to, or maybe it's not even new. I just want to introduce this thing that I'm already into to a new person. And we started dating and I wanted to know about this thing that I want. And sometimes it's just like, it's doggy style. You know, it's not, it's not like intense food play. Not that berries is that intense. Can I I give you a cool uh, video idea? One I'd want to watch. Yeah. Call it like, like my pen. Yeah, write this down. I think you'll want to make it. Maybe you've made it. I don't know. 37, I don't know the exact title, but the idea is like 37 or, you know, 50 wild taboo or wild kinks you've never heard of. Oh, oh, wow. That'd be interesting. That's just entertaining. And maybe someone watches it and learns something and they're like, that sounds fun. I want to try that. I love that. I, I was like, yeah, it sounds fun for me too. Yeah. Like a lot, like a laundry list of like this, this, cause you're saying things. I'm like, Oh, I never thought about that one. Oh, I never heard about you that. Know, it wasn't you know? until I was this last weekend was Halloween. My friend wore fangs. Like I kind of have fangs, but she wore like fang fangs to this party. Too. And she was like, can I buy you? And she came in and bit me with her fangs and like bit my chest with her fangs. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know I was into this. I'm really into it. I have a fan kink. Okay, cool. I didn't know. I found I'm aroused by that. Um, one of my clients is a personal trainer and he took my membership, my men's membership, all of us through uh, a um, do it yourself, like sex dungeon made entirely out of gym equipment. He showed me how to make a sex swing just out of equipment that like, you know, not everyone's going to have at their home gym, but every gym, every, every personal trainer gym has yeah. and how he turns like, you know, various things into, um, like, like a spanking that, like bench. That, like that, or that belt that you can you use to like when you're squatting. Uh-huh. Yep. And like if you hook those two things, you can put those around the back of someone's thighs and then suspend them. So now you've made a sex swing yeah. out of gym equipment. I was like, oh, you know what? I used to work with a personal trainer and she was uh, uh, like basically a, a dominatrix. When I looked back on it, when I saw it through that lens, I was like, was I into working out or was I into being dominated three times a week for an hour? And I'm like, oh, I think funny. it was the second. I think I was into it. It was kinky. So anyways, that's kinky. You're not it's taboo to me to be like into being submissive to a trainer, but like, but like pleasing her and wanting to get the exercises right just for her so that she would like reward me. Like when I look through that lens, like that's super kinky. Yeah. Interesting. And now, <laughs> and now related to that, something I heard recently, there's a big thing about kink shaming and how the people are saying, don't kink shame. It's like mm-hmm. someone, if they're into their thing, let them be into their thing. Don't shame them for it. Yeah. A rule that we use is don't yuck somebody's yum. I used to be the worst at this with like music, not so much with sex. I'm pretty good about that. But like someone would come along and be like, have you ever heard of this band? And I'd be like, "Ugh, I hate them. Right. It feels bad when you do that to somebody. Yeah. Uh, it feels bad when someone does that to you. So like when you're like, yeah. Oh, yummy. And someone's like, Oh my God, you love lemon chiffon cake. You're disgusting. It feels awful. And there's already so much judgment and sort of the, the shadow side of kink and kinky play is that it also tends to kick up the most shame in us. Right. So it, it's rich because it gives us an opportunity to heal those things. But if we are being shamed for it, it can like not you know, push us further and further back. It's interesting. It's like, it's very complicated or it seems like it could be. It's like maybe you're into that kind of thing because it's shameful, but -hmm. you don't want to be shamed for it, but you feel the shame and that's the thing that turns you on. We're we're complicated creatures. We're very complicated. And you make a great point about that because one of the areas in which this comes up is cheating and people who will step outside of their relationship or maybe like they get a thrill out of going behind their partner's back in some capacity it's kinky. Yeah. It's out of integrity though. And it's often unconscious. And so for those folks, what I try to have them do is to become conscious and less shame around their 
kink because their kink is I'm going to get in trouble, right? But you don't have to actually break someone's heart or break the rules or step out of integrity or your relationship agreement in order to enjoy the thrill of getting in trouble. You can do that right at home. You can do that without lying, right? It's just that we, we kind of lack the creativity and the skill set in order to do that. Interesting. Okay. That's mm-hmm. yeah. I, okay. I haven't heard that one. Well, now let's dive into that, right? So let's say a guy has, has found some new things he's interested in, or maybe things that he's always been interested in, and he wants to try those things. And well, let's actually, let, let's go with this at two different routes. It could be someone you're just dating, you just met, and then maybe all the way into you're in a long-term relationship. Can we speak to both of those and mm-hmm. what you would say, how you'd go about it to, to make it so you're fulfilling the things that you want? Yeah. So in, in both instances, there are some things that they have in common, and then we can talk about some of the nuances between new relationship and existing relationship. The thing about being in a new relationship is that for the most part, you actually have a lot of fertile ground to try new things because the whole thing is new. In an older relationship, maybe there's been some patterns or some ways of being that have been set for a while. It can be a little different to try to change those, but it can be even more important and exciting to introduce new stuff. In the example of someone who um, has started dating and wants to bring something up to their partner, number one, my piece, my first piece of advice is always have the information that you need to, or in order to explain it to her. A lot of people, especially if they have a little shame, will come forward and say, Hey babe, um, I really want to try shibari rope tie. I really want to tie you up. Right. And then she might be like, okay, what does that look like? What does it mean? What are the risks involved? What do I need to know? And if you don't know any of that information, you're now in a position where you've introduced something that you actually can't back it up. And she's less likely to want to trust you and go forward with you because you actually didn't bring her the full information. Right. So I always say before you bring it up, but a lot of people, especially if they have any shame, they're like, Hey, I want to try this, but I want to make sure that you want to try it before I get my hopes up and do any of the research that I need to do. But I'm telling you, do the research because then when you make the request, you're going to come from a grounded place. So the the second piece of this is where is your nervous system when you ask this? Because have you ever tried to ask something from someone out of like shame, out of embarrassment? You know, I'm sure a lot of you will, will recognize this. If you've ever tried to ask a girl out and you felt like ashamed of yourself, how did it go? You were like, hi, um, I'm sorry that I exist. I just want to know if you go on a date with me. Like it probably didn't, Go off well, but if you came in and you're like, hey, I exist and I'd like to take you on a date, you know? And when you, you have should that sort of, be going on a date with me because I'm yeah, freaking awesome. you should be going on a date with me instead of like, you know, no, 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 no. So how are you asking her to try something new in the bedroom? Are you going, hey, like, I saw this rope tie thing and it seemed kind of interesting. Are you coming in and being like, babe, really hot, would, would just super sexy thing that I saw the other day. I really think it would be so much fun for us to try together. I've done some research. I know how to do it. Like, you know, here's the baby step. Another piece of advice is a lot of people come in guns a blazing and they think it's like a one and done. Like I got to get it all right now. So rope tie is another good example. You may see a a video or a image of a woman who's like done up in ropes and they're crisscrossing her body and it's beautiful and complicated. looks very complex. That is not a beginner's rope tie. Right. You're not getting there on your first try. Or if you're watching or if you're watching porn and you find something there. Right. You're like that looks crazy. I want to do that. Anal is like, a good Whoa. example. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are like, well, she just did it on the porn. It looked really easy for her. So let's just go for it. Right. But what you don't realize is that for someone who's new, hasn't had that experience before, you actually need maybe two, three, four times to work up to even penetration, let alone, you know, porn stars, you have to remember those are paid actors on a closed course. You know, it's like when you watch the fast and the furious, like those are paid drivers on a closed course. It just, you you don't just drift like that. Right. The same is true for porn. Those, the, the, the actors in porn literally warm up, their bodies are warmed up. They, they, they practice when they're going to take like large things into their body. They actually rehearse for days before, you know, they don't just arrive on set that day and they're able to take, you know, a 12 inch, toy inside of their body, just like willy nilly like that. Right. But if all you know is porn, you might incorrectly assume that your girlfriend can do that too. And then you may cause injury. You may cause harm. She may not want to ever do that again because it was such a negative experience. So baby steps, figure out what the first step is. Maybe it's just coming into contact with her butthole during sex. Like that might be it this week. And then it may be a finger and then it may be a butt plug. And then it may be penetration, then it may be actually movement during penetration. And then it may be like, 
there, we often kind of, especially if we're nervous about something, kind of feel like we got to get it all done at once. But actually, in truth, we can do and should do one step at a time. Check back in. Also, when these are uh, just like uh, anything, right? It's like mm-hmm. anything. Like most things should be starting off that way anyway. And and we, you know, one thing that happens to us in the personal growth space, and we know this as coaches, is that. We expand, we have a new experience we've never had before. And then we like eh, contract a little bit. If you've ever gone to like an event that caused you to like get outside of your comfort zone. And then you came home and you started like feeling a little bit sad or down on yourself or getting into fights. It's like, I got outside and I moved and I got bigger and then I got a little smaller and then I got bigger. And then, you know, and eventually we get bigger and bigger and bigger still. We don't even recognize where our comfort zone used to be, but we have to understand that it, it typically kind of pulses like that. Yeah. And then, so, it's so it's knowing. I never thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. Expansion, like contraction. Yeah. I'm like trying to think about it in my own life of like places where that's happened, where you have, and I can already, like, I'm already thinking about it all. Like, yeah, there's just, you, you do have that interesting point where like, wait, shouldn't I feel amazing? I actually feel a little off. Marriage, getting engaged, getting married, big expansions. And then you're like, Those are contraction. Yet. Right. But we don't talk so much about that. So sometimes we don't. We don't see it coming, even though we very much could just plan for it. This is true all the time when we try new kinky stuff. It's like, I got out of my comfort zone. I tried something new in the bedroom and now I'm like contracted. Maybe some shame comes up. I got to do some processing. And, and, you know, men, especially you need to be a safe space for your female partner, for your women, for your girlfriend, for your spouse, so that she can contract in front of you. Because sometimes if you have your own shame, she feels her shame and kicks up your shame. Next thing you know, it's like, well, we're never doing that again. And so the best thing that you can do is do your research, have a grounded nervous system yourself so that you don't come like this. And instead you can be enrolling is the word I would use. You want to enroll her in this new experience and be a safe space for her. Cause this, one of the most important pieces of advice I could give you, whether you start dating someone or you're married to her is you cannot let yourself be shaken by how she responds. Mm. Because so often a guy comes to me and he says, okay, I told my wife this. She said this back that made me feel like rejected. She said, she yucked your yum, right? I said, I really want to try watching porn together while we're having sex. And she said, that's disgusting. You're a pervert. And then I got mad at her and now we're not talking. It doesn't work really well, right? You got to be able to receive. She says, oh, I'm disgusting. I'm a pervert. You got to be like, okay, that's her. That's her story. That's her projection. That's her shame. That's her triggers. That's her stuff coming up. It actually has less to do with me than it has to do with her. I'm going to say, Hey babe, I heard you. I really got that. You think that that's something that only is is only for perverted people. I hear what you're saying. And I'm going to ask you to like, I got that. And, uh, and I want you to hear me out. And then you just make a request. Right. But you know, everything that you need to do to anticipate how that's going to go and how it's going to be received. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is this kind of reminds me of similar advice of when one has an STD and they want to bring it up to their, to the girl that they're dating or the guy that they're Mm. dating. It's like, you kind of have to come in with full confidence. You have to know all the information you have to Mm -hmm. present it to them and tell them you can't come in not knowing what the hell you're talking about and being really shameful about it and being really scared about it or else they're going to feel that same way and they're going to pick up on those emotions and it's not going to be a very productive conversation. Right. We're very good at reading in between the lines. So much of communication is nonverbal. We tend to get really focused on just how we're going to describe something or exactly the way that we're going to ask it. And that's very important, right? Like we're here to talk about communication, but if you don't have the baseline, like your body is screaming you're going to say, no, your body is screaming. I'm so afraid she's going to say no to me. She's going to be hearing that as loud and clear as she's hearing any of the words coming out of your mouth. Now, this brings up an interesting point because in order to get comfortable with something, you have to do it, right? We know that confidence comes from competence. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine that if you're in a relationship with someone and let's say you're like, you're married, right? You're far into a relationship with someone is there a way to practice this? Like you kind of only have that one shot and that almost brings up even more nerves, right? It's like, you'd imagine, Oh, I'm, I have to come in confident with this, but this is not something I've ever talked about before. It's not something I've ever right. done. How do I do this and feel confident and feel comfortable? With the fact that like, I've never done it before. 
Right. Well, and sometimes it's best to bring something up indirectly. So you know that you want to try and come up with a good, another spanking, for example, like, you know, that you would like to try like this thing. You've never done it before. You don't know if you're any good at spanking. You really don't know how to do it because you don't, you don't have any competency around it. You could say it directly, or you could maybe find a porn or a website or something that you can put in front of her and say, Ooh, you know, that's kind of hot. I think I'd like to try that. Would you be into that? Would you ever want to do something like that together? She could say no, of course, but you have an opportunity then to kind of test the waters and see if she's like maybe a little bit open to it. Right. And then you have something to, to stand on in order to maybe move that conversation forward and actually move to developing competence. Instead of going right up to it and being like, hey, we have something to talk about, something right. I'm into, let's chat about this. Right. Yeah, whatever. Right. Right. And it could be even, you know, like, hey, uh, hey, I just recently discovered that I'm super into um, gangbangs or something, right? Like, that's probably going to uh, uh, raise more hackles than, <laughs> than saying, spanking. you know, hey, do you want to watch this thing with me? I thought it was really hot. Right. right. Let's, Let's let's see if that's something that we want to explore together. Yeah, there's I guess there's there's levels. There's so many levels. Yeah, exactly. So that'd be interesting too to see a video on that, like the levels of taboo, the levels of. <laughs> and here's the other thing, and I think or, some guys forget could, about that. This. Could be relative too. It's it is very relative, right? Yeah, because it's going to be it's it's nuanced. It's so relative, so subjective. Here's the other thing. I did a video on this not too long ago, which is that we often are prepared to give communication but not receive it. I did this video was like how to unleash her intersex freak because I firmly believe inside of every single red blooded woman, there is a uh, sexually voracious animalistic part of her that is orgasmic and thirsty and like wants sex as much, if not more than you do. But the question is, how do you release her? How do you let her out? And one of the things that you have to do is you have to be willing to receive her communication back. So you might say, babe, this is what I'm interested in. You might say, hey, babe, I want to have a threesome. And she goes, me too, with another guy, right? And maybe she says like, look, I'm not willing to bring another woman in if you're not willing to bring another man in. I'm speaking hypothetically here, right? But like a lot of guys want their fantasies to be fulfilled, but actually they don't care so much about her fantasies. And I'm not saying that anyone is conscious of this. We're we're not doing it purposefully. We're not thinking, God, I want to to fulfill my own fantasies and not hers. But like, yeah, if you're willing to share yours, you got to understand that she probably also has some that you might be not as ready to hear. So prepare to open Pandora's box. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, so much of it's just, it's so much about clearing your own stuff so that you can speak to her clearly, but also so that you can receive her back. Interesting. Okay, cool. I feel like not to tee you up here, but I'll tee you up. I feel like you do this in your coaching. You must like role play to practice the conversations. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. I was saying, if you're not, it'd be a great thing to do. And if you're not doing this with a coach, try doing it with yourself in the mirror. You know, do it frequently enough sure. that you feel confident when you say the words out loud. Yep. And I think, you know, maybe for some people who are, if you've been in a relationship for a long time, you really want to make sure that there's no like resentment in your voice. Cause you might be like, I've wanted to do this for a long time, but I'm just now bringing it up. Like that's not her problem. <laughs> so, so like, you know, yeah. be gentle when you do bring it up. But if you're new and you've never brought this up to her, you've never had this kind of conversation with her. Like we could go all the way back and talk about just having conversations about sex itself can be so uncomfortable, right? How many of us just stumble into sex? We don't really talk about it. We don't, you know, we're not, we're not used to sharing how we like it or what we like or asking how she likes it or what she would prefer. We're already fumbly enough when it comes to sex that now we're actually introducing another layer because the stakes are higher because it's, it's kinky or because it's taboo. Right. It's already hard enough to talk about the normal stuff. Right. And now it's that next level. Right. But I, I'm a firm believer that it doesn't have to be hard. It's right. just practice. Like you were saying, you know, practice, practice with a coach, practice in the mirror, let the words come out of your mouth so that when you get in front of her, it's not the first time you've tried to put the link, these words together and you feel like you're really awkwardly jumping all over the place. Totally. It's like practicing a speech. 
what do you do? You practice the speech. You can't practice it in front of the audience because that's when you're doing it. So what do you do? The showtime. Right. You do it at home and you practice it over and over. I mean, I have a script that I teach guys, Caitlin, for them to go out and approach a woman. Right. And so I tell them, practice at home, say it over and over. Even if it's like easy to memorize, okay, it doesn't matter. Say it again and again, do it in the weirdest, awkward way by looking yourself in the mirror and saying it. Yep. Look yourself in the eye and say it. And just practice it. And that helps. Say it in a high voice, say it in a low voice, say it as a clown, say it as Mickey Mouse, say it like, just keep saying it. So then when the time comes, you have so much freedom because you've practiced it in so many different ways. Yep. You know how you look, you know, I do the same with my clients. I'll tell them like, can you go look yourself in the eye in the mirror and say, I love you. If you can't, then go practice that until you can. I'm sure that's going to stir up a bunch of deep stuff too. It will. And also how can you expect to look at someone else and tell them that you love them with the full presence of your being, unless you can do it for yourself. Ooh. And there's something to be said here about men, like actually being their full self with women, because I think so many men have been told that their sexuality is dangerous, that their sexuality is too much, you know, that like just, just their body itself is dangerous to women, right? How the narrative is that men want sex and women don't. And so men have to get it from them and women are supposed to like be protecting it from men and not giving it up. Like it's a really screwy kind of weird narrative, but it leaves a lot of guys feeling like they are their sexuality itself is dangerous and not a gift, right? But instead like a burden that they like give to a woman. But the truth is that your sexuality is a gift. Like you get to share that with someone, you know, the best lovers, the best for men, the best lovers are the ones who recognize that their sexual appetite, their body, their ability to please, like all of that is actually a huge gift that they're giving to the women that they're with. And being honest with her about what you're into, including the kinky things that you're into is also part of giving your gift. Yeah. What an important mindset. It's like gotta be, it's like mindset number one, really. And, and, yeah. and coming into, into all this, into the idea of, of being a, a good lover or just go out there dating and talking to women and, and being someone that is going to be a sexual partner on some level. It's like, you got to take away all that shame around it, all the shame that we don't even know we have that society has maybe brought on us because of the things we've read, we've seen, we've watched, you know? Yeah. Super, because super key. You can feel when someone wants something from you, right? Like when someone approaches you outside of the store or walks up to your car, whatever, when they're like, can I get something from you? It doesn't feel good because you're like, it doesn't, I don't really want to give you anything. This isn't like an even exchange, but sex should not feel that way. Sex should not feel like, can I get something from you? It should feel like an even exchange. It's like, can I offer something to you? Right. Which again, going back to this distinction between confidence and competence, if you don't feel that you're sexually competent, it's very difficult for you to feel like you will be giving her a gift of your sexuality. Yeah. You feel like you don't have any value. And so you're obviously asking for something because there's a mismatch in value. Her value is higher. So she's going to be giving to you. Right. And then even if you end up at that point, it's, you know, where you guys are in the bedroom together and you still kind of feel that way. It's just going to, it's going to come off. But is there any other thoughts that you wanted to talk about? Here's what I want to uh, uh, make sure that everyone is left with is that this is a series of conversations. It's not just one conversation. All of this, what I'm into, the kind of sex I want to be having, the kinks that I'm interested in, the fantasies that I want to fulfill. There are fantasies that you don't want to fulfill. There are fantasies that you just want to have and you don't want to ever bring them to fruition. There are fantasies that you actually do want to see in the flesh and having the distinction between which one is which, you know, and being able to hear hers and which one do you want to make real versus which one do you just want to like dirty talk about together. I think communication is often rushed. We often rush it. We, we try to sneak it in between things. We try to. Because we're scared. Because um, we're scared. Yeah, of course. Um, get it over with. Right. Another piece of this is like, where do you need to clean up and offer, like, uh, offer to restore your integrity with another person? You know, like, I've been thinking about this for a while, but I haven't said it to you. And I'm sorry. And here's, you know, here's what's there for me. And then another piece of this is like for guys, especially consider where you are withholding information because not saying what you're into to your partner, but being into it. And then, you know, see like withholding that information from her. Like if she's really a good partner to you, if she deserves to be your girlfriend or your wife, then hopefully she'll be able to be with what it is that you're into, what it is that you have to say. 
So consider that by not giving her actual access into your internal world, that you're actually withholding from her. You're not communicating with her your actual truth. I'm not saying that all women are able to be with your truth, but understand that the more that you give and and share of yourself, the more that you give her and everyone else an opportunity to like really know you. And when you are being that for other people, they get to be that. Like when you, you get to be the, um, the person who takes a stand and is like, you know what, this is what I'm into. I'm going to express myself in this way. And you get to motivate and inspire other people to do the same. It's a big gift that you could give. That's really cool. I like that. I had a thought too. Uh, maybe some advice on this. Is there anything that someone can do in the beginning of a relationship as a way to set a precedent for what may happen? So what I mean is our sexuality is dynamic. It's, it's, it's changing. As time goes on, we find ourselves interested and also not interested in specific things. But that might not be happening in, the, in that very moment that, you know, that you're with someone, maybe you're dating them for a month or something like that. Is there anything to say or a conversation to have with them to let them know? And I'm going to say this funny because I don't really have the answer. That's what I'm asking you is like to let them know, Hey, we, I might be into different things later on and we should be able to talk about those things. And you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of conversation to set it up for success where you don't have to maybe like not having to wait to have that conversation when something comes up and just to be able to start it sooner. Right. I think, you know, one, one rule that I have is the first 90 days of a relationship are setting the tone for the rest of the relationship. So you may not know what you're going to be into. I don't, I didn't know. I've, I've been a sex professional, like I said, almost two decades and I still discover stuff all of the time. You know, I didn't know I was into like saran wrap mummification until I saw someone there, do it. And I was like, there's Whoa, another one added to the list. I've never tried it. It looks so fun. I, you know, there's a, a, a vacuum sealing. There's a great video of a woman getting like vacuum sealed in, with flowers and like being sucked inside of a giant rubber thing. And I was like, Oh, that looks arousing. Like I didn't know that this stuff existed. So what I would say is in the beginning of a relationship is really important to be like, Hey, my sexuality and my pleasure and my arousal, my eroticism, these are important parts of my life. And I plan on continuing to explore them. I want us to explore them together. And babe, if you find later that you're into stuff that I'm not into, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you have access to the experiences and the sensations and the pleasure that you want and are going to fulfill you. And I'm going to ask you to do the same for me, even though we don't know what that is right now. Beautiful. You know, I think you just lay it out as a, it's a value. This is a value that I have. I think too often guys, especially trying to get the girl pretend that they're like not sexual. They pretend that sex really isn't that important to them. You know, I have um, people I'm working with right now for whom sex is super, super important and they're not having it. You know, they're like, they're coming to me saying like, Caitlin, sex is one of the things that makes me the most satisfied in the whole world. And, and it's something that I like, I feel like I need it as much as air to live. I, I needed as much as food, Yeah, but I didn't say that from the beginning of the relationship. And now I'm in, you know, mostly a sexless relationship and I'm trying to backpedal and explain how important this is for me, even though she's like, it's a lot more work. You didn't tell me you were into this before you got to own those parts of you. And, and again, when you think that you're as a man, especially if you believe that your sexuality is dangerous, it's going to be a lot harder for you to own those parts of you. And this is why you got to do that. You know, it's, it's like, we all, we, we often think that we got to get our partner's approval. We actually have to get our own approval. You have to be in self-approval to even bring these things up to a partner. So get to a point where you can approve of yourself. And yes, it helps when a partner is approving of us. Do not get me wrong. It's so helpful when a partner's like, Oh, you told me that you're into balloons. You have a balloon fetish. I can love you. That's huge. Think oh, about how much deeper your relationship grows when you can have a conversation like that of something yeah. you feel shameful about and then they accept you for it. You're going to be like, oh, yeah. Feels so this, good. This person's awesome. Yeah. And it allows us to find more love for ourselves. But it's, you know, it's a little bit of both. It's finding yeah. love for ourselves through self-acceptance and it's finding love for ourselves through other, others loving us. Yeah, totally. I mean, that kind of ties back to the first thing you said when we were discussing this, right, is making sure that you work through your shame around the thing first and feel comfortable with it and feel okay yeah. with it as much as you can before you start bringing this up to your partner. Yeah. You know, and that's going to set a really great tone 
much for the conversation that you might have. So yeah, cool. Well, let's go to a couple of questions. There's a few here from Irishman 71. How do I get my wife to understand that three times ain't enough? Mm, that's really tough. Well, how, I guess how, it would be. How much have you gotten that question, by the way? I mean. It's not your first, I'm sure. No, not at all. You know, one of the things that I go back to a lot when I have a client who's telling me this, I'll say like, well, tell me what sex is like for your wife. You know, do you, what well, do you just, that's it right there. That was right. huge because the guys are like, I don't know. Yeah. Right. That's a problem. What's it like for her? Because if it feels really, really good for her and it's really fun for her, then she'll get that three times a month isn't enough because listen, if, uh, you know, if I had like a, uh, a gelato store in the back of my house, and they were serving like amazing gelato, I would go frequently. I'd probably go like all the time after dinner, you know? But if I have a gelato store in the back of my house that has like kind of, you know, crap flavors, bad customer service, doesn't really think about cleaning, doesn't doesn't take care of my needs as a customer, I'm probably like not going to frequent it, you know? So yeah, what kind of an experience are you making for her that three months, three times a month is enough for her, you know? And then it's, and maybe, maybe, maybe there's things that you got to do that don't have anything to do with sex itself. And of course, we talk about like, you know, did you do the dishes and all that? And I think that there, there's a lot of validity to that, but actually it's more about pleasure for me. It's like, you know, are you warming her up the day before? Are you giving her uh, space to really get aroused? Are you going, are you touching her all over her entire body or are you just going straight for her vulva and her lips and her nipples? And like, you're just kind of, you're, you're just hitting her straight on yeah. or are you giving her a sensual experience that gets her, you know, her oven, so to speak, like very, very hot before you even go to have sex with her. I think sense, it's like, easy to forget about that stuff too. You know, maybe you did it a little bit more when you guys were first together, but now you've been together for a long time and you just, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Those things need to happen just because we're together. Especially if you're sexually frustrated, because you might just be like, come on, get it to me. You know, like I don't want to work for it. I just want to have it because it's been two weeks, Yeah, you know? And if that's the case, like what can you do in those two weeks? That is, you know, think in terms of pleasure instead of in terms of orgasm, think in terms of pleasure instead of penetration pleasure instead of sex. Like, what are you doing with her? That's giving her pleasure outside of the bedroom. Because often when we look at sex as our only source of pleasure, it's very, very difficult to get into sex because we just don't have access. Like, you know, it's again, if you, uh, if you're having like constant access to something that feels good, you want more of it. If you're having sporadic access to something and you forget that it feels good, it's like, it's going to take you longer to get back into it. So are you twirling her, making her laugh, watching beautiful sunsets, going on dates? Like, are you having pleasure outside of the bedroom? Because if you're just looking to have pleasure inside of the bedroom, then yeah, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to access that sexual space because you're, you're having to pick it up from scratch. You know, another way of thinking about this is like, are you keeping it on simmer? Yeah. You know, if your relationship is on simmer, then it doesn't take a whole lot to get it to boil. If it gets cold and then you got to get it all the way up to boil every three weeks, it's going to take a lot of effort and energy to get to boil. If you let it get all the way cooled off. You are the queen of amazing analogies. Thank you. I'm usually pretty crap at them. So, uh, it's been a, it's been a good day for me in analogies. I just use basketball and sports normally. Oh, I'm uh, into food. <laughs> But all those work very well. That's great. I want to keep going. That was a great answer. Uh, yeah, and it's and, and I feel for you too. Like it's not an easy situation. Sex sexlessness or low sex is hard. So that subreddit, Dead Bedrooms, it's got a lot of got a lot of uh, subscribers. It's uh, yeah. it's sad. Okay, um, let's go to this one. How do I introduce the things I like if she's not really that experienced in bed? Hmm. Well, I wonder, is her lack of experience an obstacle because she is timid to try new things? Is she not experienced in bed because she has a lot of shame around sex and sexuality? So like she doesn't want to try new things because it's associated with like going to hell. You know, I think the, the nice thing about this is that if she's not that experienced, then hopefully she has some open mindedness 
I think one of the things that you could do is explain to her what's in it for her and what's in it for you. So you want to try, maybe it's just oral sex. Maybe she's never given you a blowjob. How about that? And you, 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 you want to introduce this idea. Well, it's obvious maybe to you what's in it for her, what's in it for you, but like make it really plain. You know, I think this would be fun because it would bring us closer together. I think this would be fun because it's a new experience. I think it's fun because it's really, really hot to me and nothing, um, nothing compares to how much joy I get when I see you doing this, right? Like sometimes you really have to spell it out just because something is really obvious to you. Doesn't mean that it's really obvious to your partner, especially if she's not very sexually experienced. Yeah. That was a great answer. I want to keep rocking this one kind of related to the other one thoughts about this. Yeah. I mean, there is an inverse relationship between stress and and sex drive. So that may be her own individual work that she needs to do with a coach or therapist on why, you know, why her stress levels get so high at work. If there's things that she can do to separate herself from work so that she can bring less stress home. You know, if her cortisol levels are really high exercising, going on walks together, like things that help to process that, you know, they well, look you're, you're into have to like coach her through that a little bit. Right. I mean, she mm-hmm. might not have that answer. So you might, yeah. does the she might not even like, see her hey, stress at work as a problem. Even, yeah, it, it could be right? that deep. She might. Yeah. Well, a lot of us have difficulty separating home from work. So how can you invite her to create more division so that when she comes home, she is at home and she can kind of transition from this, you know, work environment to this home environment. You know, a lot of women have to be pretty masculine in our work environment because we're bosses. And then it's like, oh, we got to like get home and then we got to switch into our feminine. It's very difficult. So sometimes we just keep staying in the masculine um, and then also look into um, a spontaneous versus responsive sexual desire. A lot of women just don't get sexually aroused spontaneously. They really get aroused after they're already being stimulated sexually. We could talk about that forever. Yeah. Real quick, semi-side note. We have an amazing program that we did together called 33 Magic Moves. We do. It's not even 33. It's more like 45. There's there's (laughs) actually, there's a lot in there. Um, I should have mentioned this way earlier, but we'll put a link in the description. Guys, you got to check this out. If you're interested in being amazing in the bedroom, there are 33 moves that Caitlin teaches and I kind of host the different types of, of moves in this great series. It's incredible. Guys have been able to use it. It's like, I know what I call, I call it the encyclopedia of sex. So whenever I'm telling new clients who are signing up for coaching, what they're going to get, I'm like, this is the encyclopedia of sex. This will teach you everything that you need to know and more. It's amazing. I'm glad we have. Oh, I bet they're getting really good results at that. Because people stop me all the time and they're like, hey, I recognize you. I tried that stuff and it really worked. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Wait, really? Does that happen? Yeah. All the time. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I was at the grocery store on Tuesday and the guy behind me was like, he's like, are you a singer? And then he goes, oh, oh no. Oh, I know who you are. Oh my gosh. She's like, my girlfriend says, thank you. Your stuff works. And that, the 33 Magic Moves especially, that is, that yeah. is the, that's where it's at. Yeah, that's very good. Okay, let's answer one more question here. <laughs> Do you think that there are any kinks or fetishes that could be classified as mental disorder, for example, from childhood adversity in childhood? Or do you think that they are all rational based on the fact? Mm. Do you have, you You know, kinks and fetishes are complicated and even the best science that exists isn't clear as to where they come from. They would not exist if people didn't enjoy them. Take foot fetishes, for example, people that are sexually aroused by feet. One theory is that the neurons that wire the genitals are very close to the neurons that wire the brain or uh, wire the feet inside of the brain. So you have the genitals and the feet right next to each other. And then for some people, those neurons get crossed and they find an erotic connection to feet. Nothing bad had to happen to them. No childhood effects, no trauma. It just happens that way. And then, of course, you know, uh, uh, people who fetishize maybe like being ignored, being spanked, being infantilized, like people that, um, you know, I, I found a lot of healing inside of my own kink explorations. Because once you set up an encounter where you have control over it and you're actually actively consenting it and choosing it, that can be very, very healing. 
for your psyche. If you had things that you didn't have control over happen to you, like maybe being spanked by your parents, right? Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you do get into being spanked as an adult because you get to say stop and have them stop, right? So I think that this is too complicated. The answer is yes. Some things are uh, come from adverse childhood experiences. Some things like, you know, vampires and wanting to get bit by someone who has fangs can just be because of the, the, the cultural association or because it's unique or because it's different. And I think that like with anything in moderation, if you're into it and it gets you off, then great. And if you take it too far and it involves someone who can't consent, whether they're not sober or not an adult or um, not sane, they can't consent, then you can't, then, then it crosses a line. If it starts to hurt your mental, physical, emotional, psychological, or social help, then it's crossing a line. You know, if, if you're into a good examples like exhibitionism, you want other people to watch you have sex, well, go to a sex club where people can consent to that. If you're flashing people on the subway, you've crossed a line, right? And so that's where the line is between like, this is a kink or a fetish and this is like a disorder, and if you find yourself having uncontrolled desires, interests, or things that involve other people that is without their ability to consent, then go see a therapist, go see a coach, go see a mental health professional, talk to someone about it, because not just for your own well-being, but for the well-being of the people around you, but also for you, right? Because yeah. you want to be able to enjoy, I want you to be able to enjoy sex without having any sort of ethical or moral challenges or issues so that you can really enjoy it in, in a shame-free pleasure centric way. Yeah. Just one quick thought I had is like, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I haven't done any research on this, but I would not imagine that every kink and fetish comes from a childhood adversity. Mm-mm. I'm sure some do, but there's, there's plenty I'm sure that someone might be into. Also, it's a tough question to answer because of the subjectiveness of a kink and a fetish and what's taboo. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you right. said, they earlier, can come from like, anything. Right. Yeah. You, can, you can think that, Oh, doggy style is taboo. Right. One might think that, but like, eh, that don't think that would be generally, you know, it's like, it just, it all depends. And so that would, right. it's not taboo for everybody, but like dressing up as dogs and doing puppy play might be really taboo for you. Or and that might be what you're style. into. <laughs> right. Or if you involve a real dog, it's not consensual. And so you could, like <laughs> seek help. You know, it's so relative. It's so nuanced. It's so subjective, but that's what makes it so fun. That's why sex is like, I always like to think of it. It's like the theater. It's the ultimate playground because there's just actually, when you think about it from a fantasy perspective and from a creativity perspective, there's like no limits to what you could explore. And that's pretty cool. Amazing guys subscribe to this woman right now. Click a new link, a new tab, go over there, subscribe to her. She's amazing. She is blowing up and will continue to because she has such great information that can help you. Caitlin, is there anything you're excited about right now that you're doing in your coaching or any of the programs that you have that I know are all awesome that you want to go ahead and talk about real quick? Sure. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Definitely go watch Good Sex on Discovery+. Plus. Um, you will love it. If you liked this conversation, there's so much good stuff there, whether you have like ED, uh, premature ejaculation, your girlfriend or partner has trouble orgasming, you, you have trouble staying present in bed, like you name it, we talk about it on Good Sex. There's, we do anal demonst- like discussions and it's just, it's good. It's so good. You'll love it. And you can do a seven day free trial at discoveryplus.com. And then I have a membership for men. So I started a coaching group for men where we get together every single week. I'll be teaching tonight. Actually, tonight's subject is the sex advantage. So we're literally talking about how to be amazing in bed, just like classic tips, techniques, how to blow her mind, how to like, you know, continuing this conversation. You are Um, all, wow. Damn, you have that tonight. You're all warmed up. tonight. Yeah, I know. I haven't even, I'm still going to outline the the course, but yeah, every month I teach like on a, I teach like a small mini, a mini masterclass on a subject. And then we have coaching calls all month to help guys break it down and like really get the unique and nuanced and individual help. So if you want to come and work with me, work with my team, that's the best place to do it. We would love to have you. It's called High Performance Mail. You can learn more about it at my website, which is linked from my YouTube channel or caitlinvenial.com. Sweet. Awesome. We'll yeah, put some of that in the so show much notes. For having me on. Of course. Um, I'm glad that we we did this. Actually, did we we've gone live before, but I think it was many years it's ago. It's gotta have been a long time ago. Yeah. Right. Like we like we covered in the beginning. We've been at this for a while. I know. I was just thinking. I know, about and you're crazy. probably you were a quarter million subscribers when we met. And now here you are about to cross the threshold of a million. Wow. That's crazy. 
any day That's now really in cool. six days. Well, well, we'll celebrate. I'll be- uh, I've got champagne already chilled for you. Yes. That's my woman right there. Yeah, I'll be, it's funny. I think I'll probably hit a million when I'm actually going to be in like no man's land with Megan and we will be in uh in like a cabin in the woods. So oh, you get signal? Barely. Just enough. Oh my gosh. That's so, so exciting. Well, I will be tracking it for you. I already crossed, I crossed 500,000 on Saturday. So uh, now you're my next, and uh, now I'm tracking yours. I love it. Well, thank you. Thanks for Thank you. And to many, many more. Appreciate it. This was a great conversation. Rob, we'll put a link to that in the show notes in just a bit. That's it. Caitlin, you rock. I'll let you go. Have a great, great uh, call tonight with your people. And thanks everyone for watching. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Bye.